Welcome to your mandatory wellness session. I'm your host, Anoop. And I'm your other host, Samir. Samir, how is it going? <laughs> it is going, uh, it's going okay. <laughs> I, I was going to keep doing that voice and then I was like, this is going to be acoustically annoying. <laughs> no, yes. I mean, arguably, most of the reviews of our podcast describe it as acoustically annoying. <laughs> it's so. true. It's true. I think that's more of like, uh, it just sounds like it's alliteratively pleasing to say that. Yeah. But but it's also true. Yeah. yeah. And hurtful, frankly. <laughs> I mean, you know. Right. They're leaving five-star reviews, but they're saying mean things, which is weird. Well, that's how they get you, right? They, they leave the five-star reviews. So you're like, oh, I should read this review. I'm sure it'll be really nice and help my self-esteem. And then they, and they get you when you're not expecting it. Exactly. They attack, yeah, once your defenses are down. So our, our reviewers are masters of psychological warfare. They've really gotten under our skins. I, I have developed uh, several pathologies since starting the podcast. <laughs> they keep insulting my appearance, but they're very specific. And I'm like, how do you know what I look like? Oh, sorry. I, I, I've been posting recordings of our video chats as well oh, to no. our website. Samir. <laughs> uh, how, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Life is... Stagnant as always, <laughs> such is the nature of residency. That right. Nothing particularly exciting is occurring. A residency in the time of COVID, rather normal resident. I I look back on normal residency fondly. I, here's a weird question: When you say the word stagnant, what do you think of? A pond or a yes, pool of water? Right? Yeah. yeah, me too. I was, I was trying to figure out if that's just a particular association I have, and like that plus like mosquitoes and like a stagnant pool of water. But I. I guess maybe it's just a, like it's just commonly used that way. Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. I mean, being from the Northeast, right? You just think of like pond water full of mosquitoes. Exactly that. Right. Yeah. Right. Cl- summer. Summer. <laughs> yes. God, I fondly remember the summers of my youth. Stagnant yeah. pond water full of mosquitoes. Yeah. <laughs> full of bloodsuckers. <laughs> Love it. Oh, really? So speaking of this, this is kind of a weird thing. These were these were very popular. I think several years ago. These li- like linguistic maps. Where it shows how different people around the country refer to different things, or how they pronounce certain things, and one of them was basically discussing the small insects uh, that fly around at night in the summer and glow. What do you call those? Fireflies. Yeah, which is what I call them, and I assumed everyone called them that. Lightning bugs is apparently like a pretty common term. I think like in the south, also people use it. Let me let me see if I can find the map. I was like, what the fuck is this term? <laughs> I was so confused by this. Lightning bugs. Yeah, lightning bugs. Very much more dramatic. It's very dramatic, I know. Yeah, it's like super exciting, actually. It's like, oh man, it's a lightning bug. But yeah, no, turns out... Uh, that would be such a... You'd be so disappointed once you found out what they were actually were. Yeah, so this is this is a kind of crazy thing. It's like, actually, it is most of where we live, actually, even calls it lightning bugs. Like, even most of New Jersey, it, it, it's on this map, is orange. Let me see if I can... I'll, I'll, let me see if I can send oh. it to you. That's weird. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever heard that. Right, I know. I was turn. very confused by the map. I figured it was like Midwest, South. That's why I haven't seen it before. Let me, let me, I'm going to send it to you. Oh, wow. Right? That's that not at all what I would expect. It's like very, yes, I know. I was like, I, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure? Yeah, um, it was really, really surprising. I, I did not expect that at all. Lightning bugs. Yeah. That's, a, that's some D&D shit right, right there. Right, I know. It's, very, it's a very crazy term. There are a bunch more like that uh, that basically have these kind of weird, weird divides. And there's some that are just like pronunciation things, like how you pronounce certain words and that's fine, whatever. 
But yeah, some of the strangest ones to me are just people like using different terms entirely. Like another one for me is, what do you call shoes that you use if you're like running around or like playing sports? Sneakers. Yeah, right. Which is what I call them as well. And once again, I thought that was a very common term. Um, turns out it's actually pretty uncommon as far as the rest of the country goes, like geographically. Most people call them tennis shoes. And I was like, are you sure? Because <laughs> it seems like that's not true. <laughs> when was this done? <laughs> uh, what, what, when was it done? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, like six, seven years ago, maybe. Oh, that's baffling to me. I'm like, if you grew up with like children's TV, it would all be like various types of sneakers advertised to you. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a good point, actually. So I suppose, I guess the people they were probably asking were people who were like adults. So maybe people who are like 30s to 60s, maybe. And so I guess those are people maybe who missed that grouping. But yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I, I sent you this map as well. But it's, it's like actually, it was very bizarre to me. Well, in this case, New York and New Jersey do call them sneakers, which is why we call them that. Totally fits. But I was very confused by it. And I guess what's tricky is that obviously a lot of the places, like I'm I, uh, where I am right now is in the red area. That said, I think I'm surrounded by a lot of people who are transplants from other areas of the country. And sure. So I don't necessarily hear the terms, but yeah, I, I was also very surprised by this. I'll include a link to some of these maps um, in our show notes, but it's yeah, it's very bizarre. I, I mean, they're very cool to look at, but some of these actually like really confuse me like deeply. <laughs> I mean, a lot of regional terms are weird. The, the term sneaker is actually weird because it's like who's doing sneaking oh, on their so, average day to day so basis. The re- I think the reason for this is actually related to so people used to call detectives gum shoes, and that's because before people used to wear like leather soled shoes. And detectives are the first people to wear like rubber soled shoes, i.e. gum shoes, like shoes that have gum on the bottom. So they call like rubber like gum. And um, because they, they're good for sneaking around. They don't make as much noise. Interesting. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there are a bunch more. I'll, I'll send you the link later. But I don't know. It's just a, I, was, I was talking about it with somebody else um, somewhat recently. And I was like re-confused by all these things. The lightning bugs in particular really threw me because, yeah, it's just like... And nobody's playing tennis either. Right. Like, well, that too, right? Tennis shoe seems like a much more bougie term. So it's weird to me that it's like the entirety of like middle America. Yeah. For the most common type of footwear. Yeah. One could only wear these if they were playing tennis. Yeah. Or engaged in stealth. <laughs> two, two uses. Tennis and subterfuge. Oh, man. Really if you good. were looking for the title of the episode, <laughs> <laughs> tennis or subterfuge, it's really yeah. good. I feel like there was an original point. Oh yeah, um, insects. I don't know what was the original point. <laughs> I don't know. Oh yeah, starting in pond water. Right, your life. Yeah, is we started talking about mosquitoes, and right. it was very important that we go further into that. Yeah, your life is stagnant like pond water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. The the sort of bleak realities of my existence. That's what we were talking about. Conversely, I consider my life a lightning bug. So it's pretty there good. Go. <laughs> Inappropriately named. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. It does not reflect what's happening at all. No, not a, not even in the lightest. Yeah, but yeah. So yeah, my life's been overall okay. Much of the same as we've discussed. No, no, no real huge changes gonna say anything uh, anything particularly interesting going on outside of work outside of work let's see what is what is outside of work <laughs> truly 
Uh, let's see. I'm burning through some audiobooks. I'm trying to re-listen to all of the Stormlight Archive before the next book comes out. That might be a string of meaningless words to our readers, but I assure you, I'm very excited about it. I also like how you just said our readers. People, I mean, as everybody knows, the best way to consume this podcast is to get somebody to transcribe it and then read the transcript. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I think if you really want to get the truest form of this podcast read the spanish language translations of the transcript because that's that's really where the meat of it is you know i think the the language conveys the meaning of our words much more plus they cut out all that stuff where we just talk about stagnant water (laughs) right because like no one would ever want to hear this there there, we got them mostly for their editing but also the spanish uh well cool okay solid yeah what's going on outside of your work life uh kind of the same i um on your recommendation i started listening to uh, the mistborn series with the same author kind of set in the same broader universe once again similarly a largely meaningless string of words but it is a fantasy series that is a pretty fun listen and i am enjoying it we were talking about this before how if you had been reading this during our last podcast the podcast would have been insufferable because of it. But luckily for the current listeners, we don't go on long tangents about fantasy novels anymore. Oh, and sorry to be clear to the listeners, we consider what we do for tangents as not long. So just to give you an idea of what how things used to be. Oh yeah, this is us demonstrating restraint. restraint. This is a lot so, of restraint. Yeah, it's pretty wild. You know, one thing, I, one thing I will say, with everything that's going on, I feel like at one point early in the pandemic... There were a lot of COVID-related jokes. Basically trying to, like, not, like, make light of it, per se, but trying to just, like, kind of gloss over, like, you know, like, things will kind of get back to normal and kind of joking around how things are. I think everyone at this point is just very done with it to the point where I feel like everyone's past that. It was easier to joke about COVID when you felt as though it was the thing that might end one day. (laughs) Right. And now, sort of the long, bleak expanse of this pandemic has consumed what little joy we were able to extract from it. Yeah, like, I, I think that's very much the stagnant feeling. I felt that way, too, when I, when I think about the, the amount of time. I feel like March took a while because all this stuff was happening, and even, like, April. And now it's nearly September. By the time this gets published, it will be September. Yeah. And it's exceedingly unlikely that quarantine will be over before this podcast gets published. That's the confidence with which I I am certain that COVID will continue. We could not publish this for several months, and I think it would still be topically accurate. Or at least the recommendations would be the same. What people do, I mean, clearly it's not even related to recommendations, but... No, no, based on the fact that I went for a walk outside the other day and just... So many people, so few masks. Not a good proportion of people to mask. <laughs> yeah. There were several people wearing more than one mask, but that doesn't make up for the people wearing <laughs> no masks. I saw one guy, he was just wearing masks all over his body. See, this is this is the key where median a median is more useful than a mean. One exactly. guy one guy wearing ten masks among ten people, you can't like saying saying there's a mean of one mask really doesn't paint the picture appropriately. <laughs> But in this gig economy, if somebody's willing to pay you to wear a mask for them, who's going to turn down that job? <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's a new app there called Masker. No vowels, of course. Uh, that you can just get pay somebody to wear a mask for you. Right. Yeah, they're relying on the fact that people don't understand uh, science, so they're making a lot, <laughs> a lot of, money. of money. Yeah, hand over fist, without a question. Yeah. Uh, quite a quite a humorous exchange, wouldn't you say, Samir? Oh my god. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I would think so. Yes. 
Humor, humor has occurred. Humor has occurred. Ah, what a topic, humor. And the importance thereof. Ah, uh, I'm ruining this. <laughs> well, so on that, on that subject of, of humor... Uh, of our discussions of COVID, which I think we often have during this podcast, where we're often making these types of jokes. I think an important discussion uh, and how it relates to wellness is the place of humor within medicine, both with respect to patients, but I think in particular, how we use humor with each other and what is often referred to as gallows humor, you know, humor and making jokes about, you know, death, illness, tragedy, really, and that balance as a coping mechanism, basically. Obviously, clearly anyone who listens to this podcast knows that we use it, um, one could argue, to a fault, and many have. But in your life and in your residency, um, how do you see that coming up? Or, or, sorry, or how do you see that arising? I don't know. We're a very somber group of individuals. Uh, you know, no joking. You know, the thing about radiology is it's, it's serious business, Samir. Uh, you can't tell any jokes. Not like your urologists constantly talking about dicks and hoo-hahs and whatnot. <laughs> We radiologists were a very serious lot. There's no jokes. No, it, it's it's a lot of joking in radiology. The thing with radiology in particular is you always have some amount of distance. You know, there's there's that line of what you can do in front of patients versus in private. And with radiology, pretty much everything is in private to some extent. Right. As opposed to urology, which is in privates. Yes, yes, frequently in privates. Because of that separation, you can you can tell a lot of jokes that might not be super appropriate at most times. A lot of it is to maintain that distance, you know, to not get too mucked in the many, many sad stories you'll see every day. I think people tend to discount sort of the emotional toll that radiology can have on you. But you do see a lot of, like, really bad things in a given day. Huh, that's actually very... Yeah. In, I didn't think about that from a, like, a, a concentration standpoint. Like, just a... Yeah, huh, that's actually a really, a really interesting point, right? Like, if I get a scan on somebody and they have a really bad cancer, let's say they have, like, peritoneal metastases, that is often a fairly horrifying scan to look at. It looks really awful. You know, they have terrible cancer... And, like, that's not going to go great for them. But if you're a radiologist, you get to look at, like, ten of those in an hour. Sure, yeah. And you don't, you have the benefit. You don't have to, like, tell that person they have cancer. You're not the bearer of bad news. You don't really know that person. But I always find that there's still a knowledge there. That you yeah. know that this is really, truly a tragic thing. Uh, so the, the use of humor is very valuable in that situation. I have a question for you. So this is something that I often do let's say I'm, I'm like presenting a patient to somebody and i will often just forget their age like i know vaguely how old they are because i like i met them but i will forget their age and for you guys obviously you don't meet the patient and there are clearly some signs on scans of people's age but i mean i'm not sure how precise it is when you're looking at a scan generally do you have the thing where you see a really bad scan and then you're like wait how old is this person and then you look and you're like fuck because that happens to me sometimes when I like see people who are like not doing well, and I like they and they look older than I think they are because they're like cachectic, and then I realize how old they are, and it's like, all right, well that's gonna be today, I guess. There's definitely a comparison. I've had the situation where I read through a whole scan. I'm like, okay, this is like 
mildly bad and then you see the person's age and you're like oh no this is really bad (laughs) you should not look like this at this age and vice versa where it's like oh this is a nightmare oh no wait you're like ancient so maybe this isn't so far out of the bounds of normal for you that's true the same scan with a 30 year old or a 90 year old is different yeah different well yeah particularly with brains you ever look at a 90 year old brain what we consider within normal limits for age is like pretty pretty whack. I mean, existentially terrifying. Yeah, right for sure. The, the weird part is, I mean, I like those same ninety year olds who are like very functional and normal and like are doing all the things. Like their brains still look like that, which is kind of terrifying to me. The best description I've ever seen of it is there is a portion of the brain that is reserved. That is not like actually, it's like kind of like pulmonary reserve. Like you're not using all of your lungs at the same time. Um, I right? am at all times. Yeah. Well, that's because you're a chain smoker and <laughs> you really need to cut back on that. <laughs> Everyone has their vices. Everyone has it. Fair enough. I just wish you'd stop doing it in patient rooms. <laughs> and on the podcast. Oh yeah. yeah. When you hear me coughing, it's, yeah, it's that. <laughs> I edit out so much coughing. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Oh, yeah. With the brain, there's a certain amount of reserve. So, like, they're able to function totally normal on a day-to-day basis, but the second they get sick, they go very quickly into, like, delirium because they don't have a reserve with which to, like, cope with additional stressors. Okay, yeah, yeah that's, that, that's reasonable to me. But how does humor impact you on a daily basis? Yeah, I mean, so I, I think, kind of what I was saying before, I think there are sort of two modes of it right there's the third of the patient physician humor interaction and then there's the physician to physician humor interaction uh and i think those are obviously very different and i think the patient to physician one i think is often a it is a more casual one it is not necessarily always related to the actual pathology you're dealing with it can be sometimes i think particularly within urology there is kind of this you know you're placing a catheter on some you know 65 year old guy and he's gonna make some kind of like gruff joke because he feels like mildly uncomfortable about things and you kind of joke back with him to you know um like i i've the number of times i've gotten the like aren't you gonna buy me dinner first kind of thing is like i mean i mean it, it, it makes me laugh i mean i think it would be way less funny if i were a woman but as a as another as another guy like i clearly, clearly tell he feels awkward and uncomfortable about this so i'm like okay i'm like I, I will allow you to have this like i get what you're doing you're trying to maintain some control which is totally reasonable and i'll kind of make a joke around the same lines to him but buying all these dinners has ruined your budgeting <laughs> it has it has but hey you know i've met some very lovely people <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, you know, <laughs> you know, a lot of people say dating and medicine's hard, but... <laughs> but, hey, I haven't had trouble. Um, uh, but, yeah, so, like, there's that kind of there's a, that kind of interaction. There's, like, the one that I feel like I use this. I, I probably use this too much, but, like, I'll, like, get consulted about somebody who has, like, a priapism or something. And I go in and, like, when I open, when I go into a patient room, I'm like, oh, like, how are you doing? And then I'll do that even for that. And then they'll kind of like grunt or like respond in like a not super positive way. And I'm like, well, probably not the best Tuesday you've ever had, but you know, or something along those lines, which once again, I I don't think I'm really poking fun at the patient there. I'm like making light to an extent of this shitty situation they're in to try to like relax some tension. And then of course I'm there to help them. But of course, I'm, I'm sure there are people who would either find that like not helpful or even mildly offensive perhaps. Um, and so I think that, that, of course, is a line, right? It's a line you have to walk as a physician if you want to have those interactions and build rapport. Rapport building is all about that kind of thing, right? Finding that line so you guys can relate to each other as people without crossing the line and 
losing that professional relationship. So that's that is one aspect, of course. And then the second aspect, obviously, is I think a lot of what we're discussing is the physician to physician interaction. And that's sort of the classic gallows humor where you're joking about or discussing things that are fundamentally pretty awful things and things that most people in the world just don't have to deal with all the time. Like personally, they might have to deal with somebody dying, but just like the type of tragedy we see on a relatively frequent basis is just different. And I'll say as a urology resident, I see it less than someone who is uh, working in a trauma bay or um, working in an ICU or who's like an oncologist, right? So I, I think it's different, but you still, of course, see it. I feel like one good example of that is like when a patient dies, I'm sure you've heard this, people refer to it as like a discharge to heaven or like a, um, uh, I, I've heard in the South, uh, a DC to JC, discharge to Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was pretty good, actually. I, I, I enjoy it. But like, I, I, I feel like a patients or patients' families probably would not be super jazzed about that. Yeah, we uh, we used to say transferred up to the eighth floor oh, for a classic. seventh seven story building. Classic. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that is a classic. Yeah, for sure. I consider that very not offensive because we didn't use the basement. <laughs> I mean, it could have been worse. Been is worse. what I'm saying. Yeah, that's very fair. Well, so and I think that that's a really good example because to me, I don't find that offensive at all. I don't think it's really meant to be. I think it's just a way of compartmentalizing this thing that in some ways is fairly awful. Um, especially if it's a if it's a particularly tragic death, and you're just trying to make it seem not as awful. But I can also understand from a patient or family perspective, it probably would sound very callous to say that. And so I think that, of course, is the balance, right? You have to, you know, if you're going to use that type of humor, you have to understand that there is also there's a time and a place for it. Uh, and this is a classic, like the insider baseball, right? Versus letting other people into that is is difficult. Yeah, it's definitely something that you have to kind of guard against because it is not appropriate in all situations. And even reacting to it can be kind of hard because it it's difficult when something really tragic is happening, say, in the ICU. I mean, that's just part of your work day, right? Like, that's just the day-to-day part of the job. Sometimes really sad things happen, but... It can't stop you from, like, continuing to work. So the question is, how do you move on from this, like, terrible thing happening <laughs> literally right next to you, right? Like, are you supposed to experience no joy during that time because somebody else is having the worst day of their lives, right? Most people's worst day of their lives may involve you. <laughs> right. And, like, there's a re I mean, it, it happens not infrequently. Yeah. yeah. It actually, you know... What you were saying earlier made me think of that. One of my, like, half jokes, it's not really a joke, but it's it's a line I use with my patients when they're sad or upset, and some people react to it with laughter, is just like, well, nobody's ever having a good day when they come to see me. And it's just a statement. Some people, like, some people actually find it interesting. They're like, oh, yeah, I never thought of that. And then other people laugh at it because it's like, it's removing the tension that, you know, it's okay to feel however you're feeling. Right. It's not... Yeah, like, great to be like, here. Yeah, you're in a hospital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of along those same lines. I remember there was one that kind of it like it happened and I I, I said it because I think we everyone kind of felt uncomfortable, but when I, after I said it, I just kind of felt a little bad about it. It kind of a, it was sort of a similar joke to like the not the best Tuesday you've ever had, but it just felt harsher and worse. Uh, and it was just like it was a patient, a young patient who had gotten diagnosed um, with a not a great prognosis basically and it was on a monday and i was like 
Fuck. And I thought my Mondays were bad. Oh, boy. Severe. Heavy. Right. And I... I think I, I don't think that's a joke that's punching down and people talk about that no. a lot like punching up versus punching down like I, I'm not making fun of the patient but like in a sense it does make light of the situation a bit and I don't I just said it I didn't really like think about it um, but I I think what is it what is expressing deeply is just the sense of like overwhelming like reality like hitting you at once of like what this is right this is somebody who's like not that far from my age and he's probably gonna die very soon now and previously like a month ago they had no idea they were going to die that is like once again existentially horrifying and i think i think particularly you know as um as a young person where you know obviously you're around death a lot as a, as a physician but i still think there is a you know I, I should say a young person who's healthy which is lucky of course there is a sense still of like mild invincibility even though you know you can just die in a car accident right because you see it you see these people come in with these car accidents you see people who get diagnosed with cancer when they're super young like you know these things exist and yet still it feels like it's not you it's a sense of other and so I think, yeah, like those kind of comments, like, I don't know, like, I think back and I don't feel great about the comment I made, but I don't think it was necessarily like awful. No, no, I don't think it was that bad. It's hard. It's hard. Because how do you cope with it? Like, you could talk about professionalism all day, every day. But the fact of the matter is, we're the people who have to deal with this stuff. You know, we have to live in it who who judges the people who do that on a day-to-day basis right uh is it other people you know in the same profession other physicians i don't think so really because i think a lot of people are on different spectrums with how they cope with things and a lot of the people who are like upset with gallows humor are also people who are not that upset with the thing that happened in the first place you know, they might not be feeling that bad. So now they have time to be like, oh, it's not very professional what you just did. I don't know if you have the space. I don't know if it's your place to judge. Well, I I think there's a really interesting interplay with, I feel like survivor's guilt is kind of the wrong word, but I think there can be guilt associated when you've gained a valuable learning experience from someone else's tragedy. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when you think about it, I think there can be guilt associated with that. Like I've had the moment where I did something very well in the OR. Like a good example, I did like a transurethral resection of a bladder tumor and it went very well. And one thing you're doing, you're doing that, you're trying to make sure you get muscle in your specimen so you can get a sort of a, a, an accurate pathologic diagnosis of whether the bladder cancer is muscle invasive or not. And that is important to do. And you have to, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it takes finesse to do well. And when you see the pathology and they're like, oh, muscle was present in the sample and the cancer is like invasive into the muscle and it's like a bad cancer, that is bad for the patient. But on the flip side, I'm like, yeah, like I did it correctly. Like I did a good job. But like what I did was I found out this person had a really bad cancer. And there's there's a weird guilt associated with that. And so I think I think humor is a way to relieve that tension between those two competing emotions. And I think one of the most difficult parts of medicine is coping with the fact that you could do everything right and people will still die. Like everybody dies eventually, right? And that's that sort of universal truth that I think is the heart of a lot of gallows humor. It's just the acknowledgement that you can't win forever. Like we we play the delay game. We just keep people alive for marginally longer. And those margins tend to get shorter the longer we interact with people. <laughs> You know, so the concept that you might inevitably be playing a losing game is hard to reckon with. 
and that you 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 live your whole life playing a losing game. There's no victory at the end of it, really. I mean, certain fields, sure. That, I think that's one of the very satisfying things about pediatrics is that kids can get better from things and then live a whole life after that. But then the other side of it is that when you don't succeed in pediatrics, it's a kid who theoretically had quite a bit of potential ahead of them as opposed to somebody who has already lived a full life. Yeah, it was actually interesting. I mean, I when I was on pediatrics, you know, we saw some pediatric trauma and there were several kids who died, which is really awful. Um, but one of the ones that stuck with me, I think even still, is like it was like a nine year old who was basically just um, collateral um, damage from a gunshot, like a stray bullet, basically, and um, paralyzed from the waist down. I guess that's better than being dead. But that one just was like, uh, like, he was like a very like, I mean, obviously, after that happened, of course, in the hospital, he was probably personality-wise different. But from what I gathered from, like, pictures of him and, like, his family and stuff, I think he's a pretty, like, active, energetic kid who loved to, like, run around and play and stuff. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, I was I don't know, like, what you do with that, right? You're just like, well, this is a terrible reality that I guess we'll all just live with now. All right. And then you move on and see the next patient on rounds. Right. So oftentimes, gallows humor can be a way of closing the door on a thing that you can't quite fully emotionally grasp at that moment in time you know like there's a job that needs to be done so like let's keep working on the next person or there is an emotion that needs to be handled but now is not the time to do it so let's bring a close to our thoughts on this right in a way yeah in a way that kind of sums it sums it up yeah but yeah no totally i i, I think and i think we probably talked about in our last episode leading up to this any discussion about humor in this type of detail is like inevitably not funny at all. So, like, oh yeah, sorry, zero <laughs> percent funny. Yeah, um, but it is strange because when I think about it, it doesn't feel taught at all. And obviously, part of that is my own personality. Like in my own family, we'll definitely use gallows humor. My parents are not physicians. My sister is, but my parents are not. But like I remember, like my so all my grandparents are dead, and my mom. Like, What'd you do? <laughs> They were just very disappointed in me, <laughs> and it killed them. No, um, um, but this is what I'm talking. This is the kind of shit. Like I feel like most people yeah. don't make jokes like this. And I, nope. my, family, my family doesn't give a fuck <laughs> because I mean, obviously, we love them. So it's like not as if like this is like we're, you know, it doesn't it doesn't take away from that. But it's like it's okay. And all of them had senses of humor. This is probably the jokes they would have made too. And so yeah, like I, this, this joke will inevitably come up every so often. My dad will say something along the lines of like, "Oh, call your mother." But he might accidentally say, like, call my mother. And then someone will jump and like, well, that'll be a very expensive call. That's a running joke in my family. Like, that specific misstep and then, like, making that joke. But, like, so I think that is, right, that's intrinsic to the way I've, I've even grown up. And then, of course, medicine just emphasizes that, right, because you're around sure. it so much. Um, and, and I wonder, right, because, I mean, I don't think as a, as a medical student, no one sits you down and is like, these are the types of jokes that we like to make. But I guess you're just around it a lot. And so it starts to feel very natural. Well, and there's definitely, there are people who make the jokes and there are people who laugh at the jokes, right? That It's not invariably the case that everybody's making gallows humor style jokes. But you'll find most people, once you make the joke, will laugh at it because they need that release. As you very well know, I love gallows humor. Yeah, of it's course. It's like kind of one of my defining traits i am a person who regularly says the phrase goodbye forever every time he leaves a conversation 
which makes several people exceedingly uncomfortable, which makes it even funnier for me. <laughs> you know, it's I, I, I think you've actually you actually do it less than you used to. I will say. Sure. Well, you know, it's different on a video chat. <laughs> sure. That's a, that, that's a good point. Uh, but also, there's a pandemic, so like, ooh, maybe. Uh, right, 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 right. You know, that's part of it, I guess. I'm one displaced mass away from a mask. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So I, yeah, so I guess, I mean, I, at least for me personally, it, it feels very natural, but I guess I'm wondering more broadly if it is something that, cause it's so common, I guess it is sort of a, it is like a classic hidden curriculum, like learning that happens by osmosis to an extent. Sure. Or like as, sure. A, as a med student, you're not the one making gallows humor jokes on rounds. That would be kind of crazy. Um, but you hear the attendings doing it, you hear the residents doing it, and then it's, it feels natural. Yes. Yeah. I, I do think you get used to it. And I, and I think med students are more likely to be like kind of offended by it. Mm-hmm. They have that sort of idealism where they think like, oh, no, we're sacred protectors of this, that, and the other. I'm like, nah, man. It's a job. It's a job that'll wear on you <laughs> as you do it. And, like, you gotta take any sort of respite you can get. And, and it's because they're not used to it yet. A med student might not know that, sure, this is tragic, but, like, we don't have the time to, like, dwell in the tragedy of the situation. There's right. no debrief, you know? There should be for, like, mental health awareness and all that stuff. Yeah. There should be a debrief. But, like, the debrief can't be in the middle of rounds. Like, things still need to get done. And and however you transition away from that, it's gonna be kind of stark no matter what. There's kind of a... There's kind of an inherent comedy in it where it, it's not the words you say, but the concept that you would just move on from something so tragic is in and of itself almost comic. Right. Not in a stated way, but just in, like, the, like, okay, anyways, next patient. Like, that's kind of insane that you would do that at all at a baseline and all the gallows humor does is like draw that forward right it's the inherent insanity of the practices that we are currently engaging in like let's just say it like this is weird that we're just like <laughs> moving on all right yeah right for <laughs> sure yeah yeah it's uh yeah i totally agree there were a couple articles i think we both looked at talking about this one that i think was interesting so this article is by katie watson she's a medical ethicist she wrote this article in 2011 it's called gallows humor in medicine uh it's a it's uh an interesting written article interspersed throughout it are examples of gallows humor like different scenarios with jokes appropriate or not sort of and then a discussion from a sort of sociologic ethics standpoint of like is this a valid way of discussing and engaging with this kind of with, with these kind of experiences and are there things about them that either make them good or bad like basically acceptable or not acceptable and i think you also skim through it as well and I, I think even reading through the examples, there are some that I, like, pr- was pretty stunned by. Like, and I definitely can occasionally push the envelope, but some of these, I was like, I would literally never say this in that, like, maybe later, I guess. But in that context, I was like, what the fuck? This is insane. Humor does not do well, devoid of context, right? It, right. And that is, right. I totally agree with you. Yes. And that's just generic humor, not even gallows humor. But yes. gallows humor, even less so doesn't do well in the without <laughs> without context I, like, it, it, I think it is and once again I, I we're not gonna belabor all these various ones the opening anecdote is about sur- basically surgery residents or I guess it's residents in a trauma bay and that one I was like oof dark dark joke but I was like all right I can like 
I I felt very uh, a sense of kinship with that one, whereas like that does seem like a thing I would say. Right. It was like it definitely like my mouth was a little agape when I read it, but then I thought about actually that scenario and I was like, eh, all right. There are this other one where I think it's a uh, it's a neonatologist and once again it's something that I don't have that much familiarity with, and so maybe that's part of the reason because my brain can't provide the context as readily, right? Whereas I've been in a trauma, not that I'm doing a lot of trauma surgery, but I've been in a trauma bay. Like I know what that environment is like. And so it felt more natural to understand those impulses. I think what's so interesting, particularly about that first story is that it's a story that happened. I mean, I guess at this point, many, many years ago, but at the time of the article it was 15 years ago. And the, one of the author's friends, who's one of the one of the residents at that time, uh, told her this story. And the discussion of it is basically, he's asking like, was this a reasonable thing to say? Like, and it comes out later in the article that like he and the rest of his cohort actually f- continue to feel like guilt over this entire situation in a very weird way. And I actually got a little emotional toward the end of the article, and I'm not sure how far you read through it. But basically, I just to kind of summarize, it's these residents are in a trauma bay. They order pizza. The pizza isn't there. And they're like, where, where is our pizza? And then there's a trauma that comes in, a gunshot wound, and it is the delivery boy had gotten shot like right outside the ER and gets brought in with like a gunshot wound like into the chest, like through through the heart, he ends up dying. And then they find the pizza that's like right outside the ER. They eat it and they say, how much do you think we should have tipped him? And when you say it like that, it sounds really awful. And, but like I distinctly, like I, I can distinctly understand the what they're going through. Like they just... This is someone who they've actually, I think, met before, kind of implies, or they've at least briefly, because it's a, it's a place they've gone before. And they've just put in, like, 40 minutes of, like, doing everything in their possible power to save this person. And everything that takes from you, just, like, mentally and physically and emotionally. And now they're, like, eating this pizza, which is the reason this kid was out. Obviously, it's not their fault, but, like, there's a, right, there's a feeling of, like, I'm the reason this kid got shot to an extent, right? Because he was here delivering the pizza to me. And it's like, what can you actually do to make this right? And you can't. He's, he's dead. And I think that is like that is like the moment. That's like the crux of like what they're feeling. And it sounds so callous what they said. But it's like, like I, I very much feel that like emotional trauma in that moment. And I think it's really clear when they're, when, when they're discussing later in the article. They feel a lot like these residents. They've discussed it since. They're all like attendings now. They feel like guilt over that entire situation. And it's like, I'm not sure I necessarily, like, I think it's good to feel that. I think it's a reasonable emotion to feel, but I don't think they necessarily have to feel guilty. So I think it's, they were reacting in a setting of trauma. Yeah, yeah. The length of time with which they held on to that was kind of surprising to me. That it still hurt them so much, so much later on in their life. But it makes sense, because I, I think they've sort of incorrectly transitioned the trauma of the event itself into the joke where they now feel it's like was it were we wrong to have told that joke but it's like you don't need to feel guilty about the thing you said about it like the the dead don't care they're already gone right that that kid's no no let more or less dead based on that joke that you made in the moment right you probably feel guilty about the whole turn of events that led to him dying which is a fine and reasonable thing to feel, you know, that's not something you should carry forever. But like the gallows humor portion of it didn't play into that really. Right. 
Yeah, but like I, but I, I get it. Like, I, it's the kind of joke I could see being made very easily, and I can understand also why it would just. It, it has this one of those like oof laugh reactions. Like you laugh like in spite of yourself while like just cringing internally, because it's just it. It feels really. It 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 it's a it is a distinctly. I mean, people have a dark humor, but that is so dark because it's so raw. Like like the immediacy of it is what makes that so extraordinarily dark i think but i also understand the reason to make it as well right to to try to to try to state in some way like this debt you can't really ever repay of what you know once again you didn't cause but in a, in a sense it feels like you caused so i yeah i i it was a really interesting anecdote to me it's not uh that, that one particularly struck me and i think yeah reading the end of the article talking about how this physician to this day feels like guilt over that entire thing definitely made me a little emotional about like kind of the scars you carry from this as yeah i i i, I didn't expect it i did I, I didn't expect them to kind of come back to that in that way i think what was interesting also when they're talking about this or and this is the that's is talking about is that the butt of the doctor's joke is not really it's not about the patient it's about the death it's about the situation and so i think that's what's hard right it's about it's about what you don't have the power to change Right. And it's a very important distinction because it goes back to what you were saying about like punching down, right? Making jokes about the patient is almost invariably never appropriate, really. And people do it, to be honest. People do make those jokes. Yeah, and I agree with you. I I, I don't think it is. I think there was another point in that article where they were discussing the concept that like sometimes older physicians felt as though things were funnier in the in the past political correctness is ruining america type of thing. exactly which is exactly the concept that i hit on last time we talked and i'll just take another moment to say how bullshit that is it's like it's not that things were funnier in the past it's just that you were never funny and you didn't know it and no one told you that you weren't funny until recently so in my in my application for residency i mentioned that i did stand up and improv in college and a little bit of med school and so i got asked that basically every interview to like tell me a joke or like talk about like comedy and stuff which is a great great question for me I, I can talk about this for far too long like you will hate me by the end of this and so i got asked on one interview by somebody how i felt about like political correctness in comedy and if i felt like it was like bad for comedy and like kind of ruining it a little bit i had a sense of what this person thought the right answer was by asking me but i was also at the point in the interview season where like, i didn't really care <laughs> about what they thought about it and when i said i was like I, I think oftentimes this complaint of political correctness or making sort of like edgy jokes is often an excuse to just make bad jokes like your comedy is poor like you're just you're like you're not yeah like you're just making jokes that aren't actually particularly funny and they're relying on stereotypes or like prejudice to generate humor in some sort of shocking way and that yeah like you're like nothing you've done has shown any creativity or ingenuity in how you made this joke right like so why would i want more of that like beyond the fact that i think it's like shitty to say it's also just not intrinsically clever or funny or interesting there are so many good jokes to be made <laughs> Yes, yes. It's like it, just because you've decided to disguise your bullying as jokes doesn't make it any better. Right, right? You, yeah. That's just the trappings of what you have been doing. And now you claim that things are less funny. And it's like, no, I think just you're, you weren't that funny is, is really the long yeah. and short of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I think people still tell a lot of jokes. I mean, you know, we talk about the gallows humor, of course. Then there's just like the situational humor of everything you do like yeah i mean urology is full of situational yeah, tr- humor for tr- sure truly it is i mean 
we get that plenty on radiology as well where it's just like you get the weirdest phone calls of all there's a lot of like very specific humor that you develop as you get into medicine that just gets more and more niche as you get more and more specific <laughs> oh this is actually a really good point i hadn't really thought about which is the interaction of humor and how we interact with each other in sort of a more antagonistic way among specialties as well known within medicine there are stereotypes about specialties and I think oftentimes people really treat them with like a fair amount of like joking good nature. Mm-hmm. Not always, though. Definitely not always. And I think that is actually super interesting, right? I think there's a lot of there are a lot of jokes within medicine that play on that. Like a classic one is what do you call two orthopods reading an EKG? A double blind study. <laughs> and it's a funny joke. But it's like, has to me, has an extra layer of uh, humor. Because one of the smartest people I know is an orthopedic resident right now. And in med school, he could for sure read an EKG better than I could. <laughs> but there's a good, but there's a humor. Right? It's like, Greg is like, oh, they're like, oh, like hammer, nails, bones. Like, there's this, like, there's this classic idea of what an orthopod is. But then, like, we all have to remember, like, they actually were the people who probably had, like, the highest step scores and grades in our entire class for the most part. <laughs> um, and so I think that, of course, that's a really specific example. But I think there are a lot of those jokes which I think are funny. But I think sometimes people will take them to actually be what reality is to an extent. And part of that is because people historically talk about like, you know, like orthopedics might consult medicine for something that medicine thinks is like super dumb, like managing someone's hypertension. And yeah, you could argue they're a doctor, they should be able to handle it, sure. But from the orthopedic standpoint, like anytime anybody has a fracture, they're like, ah, what to do? And it's like, you can't handle like a basic fracture. And as a urologist, no, I cannot. But like to them, it, it probably seems like, like absurdly stupid the things they can consult about and similarly with urology right like there are things to me that are so straightforward that i don't understand why i'm consulted on them but then at the same time i'll turn around and have to consult like medicine or neurology about something which for them could not be more bread and butter and so i think that interaction like everyone has that thing where among with your own cohort you shit on other specialties yeah. together and everyone does it and it's fine i think it's fine i think it's okay to do but i think you have to do it with the real knowledge that like that isn't reality like, it's fun to make fun of the person who just consulted you amongst your friends after the fact because it's like, oh, I'm so annoyed about this consult. But, like, you can't lose sight of the fact that, like, they're asking you for help and fundamentally they're actually probably, like, a very intelligent, smart doctor. In most cases, there are exceptions for sure. In most cases, and they're just asking you for help about a thing they're not familiar with. Right, right. I mean, the classic, so radiology has it a little bit for everybody, right? Because we get some really weird calls. And the classic is just like when you get a call where it's like, can I get a quick read on like a MRI of the lumbar spine? I'm like, no, there's no such thing as a quick read. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's not a chest x-ray, dude. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like the the random things that people ask for. Oh, recently I was doing a bit with one of our our new radiology residents about outpatient PE studies, which I don't believe should be a thing. That's crazy. Like, what? That exists? Exactly. If you think they have a PE, they should be in the hospital. That is wild. Oh, I don't even know the thing. Wild. Yeah. It happens only every once in a while. Because the thing with acute studies is they have to call us and have us pre-limit before they can send the patient back home or whatever. Okay. I could see a... a, a time when you might use it if someone had a pe and there's a scenario clinical scenario in which you're trying to check the status of it if you're trying to figure out some sort of anticoagulation decision like, so, i assure you it's never been that nuanced okay that's yeah, the scenario yeah. like we say a chronic pe and you're like can we get them off anticoagulation earlier than maybe i would want to normally because they have some other other contraindication and i don't know 
No, right. no, Sabir, you're thinking too hard about this. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's clearly just like I want to rule out a PE, but I don't really think this patient has a PE. Yeah. And I'm like, why don't you try being a doctor for a second? <laughs> like, just for one. figure out if they have no symptoms for which you would send them to the hospital, then they probably don't have a PE, or certainly nothing that's clinically significant. No, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was, it's it's always a little silly sometimes the things you see. Or just, like, the number of times you have to explain the same thing to the same person. Because you start to recognize name. It's it's never a good thing if a radiologist is, like, very confident about your name. Because there's probably a reason why they know who you are. It's good. It's like you've stood out a little bit too much. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there's always those interesting little things. But always with the acknowledgement. I, I like to say it. If I'm talking to somebody new, it's just that there's probably, like, a good reason why they did this. Like, even with the outpatient PE study, it's probably just, like, they're kind of covering their ass. Like, they need to have some proof that they worked this up for a PE, but they didn't really think the person needed to go to the urgent care. They're actually probably trying to save that person a trip to the urgent care or the ER. I'm like, I kind of get that, but you've, in the process of doing it, you've given me some weird additional work here yeah and, like, but, and you've also like just made a clinical decision that makes no sense right right it's like not internally consistent but i get what you're doing so i always try to acknowledge right. the real reason why people might be doing something odd yeah and obviously radiology gets it from everybody else i mean you know yeah the hedging radiologist is like an archetype <laughs> yeah what's the radiologist's favorite plant a hedge mm. <laughs> what's a radiologist's favorite food a waffle. <laughs> some Waffles are delicious. I mean, that's so. just, I mean, in this case, what's a noob's favorite food? Like, also a good answer. <laughs> yeah, also, maybe just waffles. Who knows? <laughs> Who can say? Um, that was what yeah. got you to radiology initially. Yeah, it was the waffles. It was the waffles. I was misled. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I thought there would be more uh, syrup involved. <laughs> you know. Uh, not the first situation in which you know, there was more more syrup involved than you expected. In yeah, the- I mean, it was it is, it's kind of the reason I got into medicine, but that's a whole different story. Right, it's an entirely different discussion. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe next episode. Uh, yeah, next episode we'll be talking about the role of syrup in wellness. Right. The answer, like, pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> so, I guess looking at this, another thing this article talks about toward the end is basically, like, how to classify if these jokes are reasonable. And there's a bunch of bullet points, but I think some interesting ones are... Things we talked about. What is a clinician's underlying intent in joking, right? Is it a helpful defense mechanism? Are they trying to just get through the day? Or are they kind of, as you pointed out, sort of just couching their bullying in a way that feels more socially appropriate, right? So I think we've sort of discussed that. And I think another thing which is interesting is how often the healthcare provider makes those jokes. And even if each one feels justified, if they're constantly making those jokes, does it say something about like, their own deeper issues or like their inter- their kind of overall mental interaction with their work that is like a problem that they need to expand their sort of armamentarium of coping mechanisms in a way that's more healthy. Is that something that you would overall like agree with? Because I mean, I, I think for me, what's interesting is that humor is normally classified as a healthy defense mechanism. It's one of the group of healthy defense mechanisms that we learn when we're studying for step one. Right, right. And and there is a certain extent to which that is true, but I agree that if your first response to everything is to tell a joke, you might be just avoiding the actual situation by attempting to kind of 
tell a joke and move on, right? To bring it back to the concept of, like, closing the door on something. Like, you tell a joke to move on to the next topic. Like, maybe you're telling the joke before people are ready to move on. Maybe you're telling the joke and you're, you're distracting from what's actually going on. Like, an important discussion that may be occurring. And those cannot be super constructive in a professional environment. Yeah. You know? No, for sure. I, I think uh, one thing actually the article also mentions as well is it's a little earlier on. They talk about like joking is actually a very powerful like rhetorical strategy because when you make a joke, it, it's intrinsically a little more immune to criticism because to criticize it makes the person criticizing it sort of seem like a killjoy and like intrinsically makes their point less valid. Um, everyone's like, oh, why are you being like, like, it, yeah, just joking, you know? And I think that's a, right from like a bullying standpoint is a very useful technique, right? Because it, it strips more power from your victim. But I think even in a setting where you're not bullying, it can close off discussions in ways that are actually hard to reopen because it's been closed with a joke that feels like you sort of put a bow on it, which I, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good point to um, kind of, I guess, be, be aware of the frequency to which you're doing that and the settings in which you're doing it. Yeah. And there is a style of humor that I think falls on the concept of the mature coping mechanism, where instead of closing something, you open something. Hmm. So you acknowledge that, like, perhaps we all feel shitty right now after something really bad happens. Uh, You know, I can't break down exactly what you would say in that situation. But instead saying, like, instead of just moving on, you're acknowledging, like, okay, I guess we all go to lunch now or something. Like, just to acknowledge that, like... (laughs) Right. We all know that we feel bad about this, right. but like we have to move forward. Oh yeah, that's or... that that's a classic. After a really tough day or like week where it's just been like thing after thing after thing, it's like, all right, well, have a good weekend, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Love it. Great work today. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> yeah. Or when you're leaving super late and you're like, I'll see you in like ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's just acknowledging that like, yeah, this is hard. The converse of it is the weird stoicism that's very common in medicine where it's like you pretend like nothing ever bothers you, you know, and you're just constantly doing everything. So it's like, oh, the work hours, they don't bother me. The way people treat me doesn't bother me. None of that because I'm a doctor and I'm impervious to all harm. It's like, that's not very constructive or helpful. Right. To acknowledge that you might be bothered by something can be very helpful to people, that you are human. Uh, certainly helps with med students because I think med students, the number of med students who call me doctor all the time, and it's just like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, I'm just a resident. No, exactly. I found the same thing where like, yeah, med students will email me to find out where to go, and they address me by doctor, and I'm like, so one, call me Samir, <laughs> please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then two, this is what we're meeting. Um, yeah. It just yeah for sure that is that 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 interaction. I think. Being able to laugh about things, I think, is, is important. The importance to wellness, I think, is actually what we're discussing, right? That we deal with a lot of trauma. And so I, I think, to your point, there is a line at which humor becomes maladaptive when you use it to completely block off any real feeling of emotion because it's an easy defense. It's like a wall you put up, a wall of humor and jokes. But I think there's a point well before that, I think there's a really good space for it to exist in in which you use it to start conversations, you use it to process difficult emotions, and it allows you to bond with your colleagues, with your teammates, and to, I think in a lot of ways, can help generate a deeper type of empathy than I think you just get from feeling the tragedy fully. 
Like, I think there's something to be said for the empathy you generate when you kind of make a joke about an awful situation and you realize, like, why you made that joke. It gives you this insight into how it affected you. And it feels a little safer than just the sort of raw expression of emotion. Yeah. It acknowledges the emotion. It gives them space to feel that emotion, but not doesn't tell them they have to feel it. Uh, which is often, you know, the case with sometimes people I would consider maybe overly sincere, where they're like, it's okay to feel bad. And it's like, okay, but maybe like back up a little bit, give me some space, right? right? Humor instead says like, oh, it's totally normal that we all feel bad. Isn't, isn't it crazy how we all feel terrible right now? Like, <laughs> Wild. Wild, wild. has a super traumatic thing just happened and we feel like garbage about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a different way of addressing the fact that, yeah, whatever happened was very traumatic or just the daily sort of slings and arrows of resident life. Yeah. You know, even just sometimes acknowledging that, like, something that a superior asked you to do doesn't make a ton of sense that's a lot of like resident humor right. where it's just like what did that even mean like what happened or like a classic is like imitating your attendings is a class i thought the classic thing everybody does i think every attending did it when they were a resident i think every mm-hmm. med student does it now probably for their residents as well and their attendings every med student will do it as a resident and it's fine i think people do it in general among many jobs right employees make fun of their bosses but it's a, i mean it's it's part of it right i i think you yeah, it's like a little bit of imitating everybody too. It's yeah. like you imitate the phone calls. Yeah. You imitate, you just like, yeah, put a humorous spin on the little things that happen to you every day. Yeah, can help you address them and feel a little better about them. It's a little different than the sort of normal, constant complaining that residents do, which is definitely a part of resident life. Of course, yeah, but yeah, yeah I, I agree. Yeah, it, it feels like if you've taken something bad and you've transformed it into something at least for a moment that is good and happy and fun and laughing with your co-residents when you've all been through something kind of bad together like if there's one thing that makes those bad things less bad it's like that feeling do we do it <laughs> no i now i just feel that <laughs> <laughs> well guys i think we did it i think we I think we fixed humor pretty much. That's for sure. Know? For sure. I mean, yeah, pe- I, people have been saying, many people have been saying, humor, it's broken. We need we need two Indian guys in their twenties, yeah, talking to each other on a podcast. Yeah, they'll fix. I it. think I think jokes are legal now. Yeah, <laughs> legalized jokes. Legalized jokes. Perfect. Problem solved. Um, we'll of course include links to some of these. Um, uh, articles as well in uh in, in, in the show notes i think are a worthwhile read or at least a skim i think they have some interesting insights for sure as always our theme song is nothing slash anything by westy reflector uh and you can follow us on instagram at mws podcast facebook at facebook.com slash mws podcast fb we are on itunes and many other podcasting apps uh, we also have a website linked on our various social media pages thanks for listening see you guys next week Let's